Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, it's so good to be with you all today. And uh, I just love First Sundays because there's that opportunity for us uh, for communion to uh, partake of the Eucharist uh, as well as our agape meal. And uh, I'm looking, we're already over uh, on our time, so I'm not going to have as much time as I want to to get into this. So what we're going to do is hit the highlights and then I'll really dive in and finish this message up next week. The food in the kitchen is uh, making its way out here. It smells good. And I want to be mindful of our time today. Uh, I was away at uh, seminary this uh, past week. And God really, through one of the classes I was taking, really opened some things up to me and, and crystallized in my own thinking. Uh, not only what we as disciples are called to do and be uh, for the kingdom of God, but a faith covenant ministries, a specific call in the uh, St. Charles County, St. Louis County metropolitan area. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, we have on the screen here, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Um, normally we would take time and read that together. We'd stand and read together, but for the sake of time, I'll ask you to keep your seats. And uh, we would just want to look at this passage uh, but we know this is our great commission, and, and I'm just going to read it for the sake of time. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, that was out of the, the New Revised Standard. In this commission, uh, a couple questions I have for you, a couple things we need to look at here is what are the, 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 the action verbs? What are the action words, the key words in this passage? And, you know, again, we'll map this out next week. And there are a lot of people that aren't here. And, and um, so it'll be good. We'll actually have some discussion more next week. So it's nice when there's a quiz and you kind of got a head start. You got some special training or some special information to prepare for the quiz. So you'll be a little you'll be a little bit ahead of everybody next week. So kudos for you. Uh, but when we look at the words here, we, we see go, uh, we see make, we see baptizing, we see teaching, uh, we see obey, and we see remember. And if there's one imperative verb in this commission, if there's one word that really speaks to what ties it all together. The one thing that cannot be omitted from this passage, the imperative verb, the must do of the Great Commission is to make, or most specifically, make disciples. And then these other, these other verbs, these other action words in this passage really are more of, of you know, an English word here for the English measures. They're, they're participles. And a participle, and I'll just give you the dictionary definition, just make it easy for you. Out of Oxford Dictionary, it's a word formed from a verb and used as an adjective. So, make disciples is the verb in this passage. And the other action words are participles. They're actually adjectives, descriptive words, that describe how we make disciples. Now, this is so very important when you look at this because the, the participles are go, they are baptizing, 
and uh, teaching uh, to obey. And it's so important that we understand this because uh, just kind of breaking these words down and looking at it, the key point to our mission is to make disciples. And we're going to talk about that and really dive into that. That's very important because the church is good at doing a lot of other things. But we're not always great at making disciples. Some of us would say, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. But yeah, we don't really quite do that. But we do all of these other great things for Jesus. And does it matter if we're not really all that great at what you're talking about right now? But this is key. This is so very important that we understand that our call, our our commission is to make disciples. And so that's the imperative verb there. Now the participles, there's go or as you go or while you're going, uh, we make disciples, we make, we make apprentices, we make little Jesuses. You know, scripture tells us that a disciple is not above his teacher or above her master. But when the disciple is fully trained, they will be as their teacher or as their master. So we're to, we're to make disciples, we're to make little Jesuses. I've said this before, every living thing reproduces after its own kind. You don't get uh, oranges from an apple tree and, and apples from an orange tree, but uh, but the, the law of the harvest and, and the law of, uh, you know, that God set up, everything reproduces after itself. And so as we're going, we're called to make Jesus followers, apprentices. Secondly, it says we're... We're making disciples, that's that imperative there, of all nations. Uh, It's that word ethnos, uh, which means races, uh, peoples, ethnic or cultural identities. Uh, Now we know that the early Messianic Jews got in trouble because with them it was all about the Jewish people. It was all about Israel. So when the disciples go out and and they're preaching this, this gospel to people that are not Jews, it's like, wait a minute. We're the chosen people. Uh, you need to stick to your own kind. But, you know, they're talking to Gentiles. They're talking to Samaritans. Uh, that word uh, that word ethnos, uh, you know, talking about all nations, um, is not a political or geographical, or, but it's cultural or ethnic. And the meaning is to make disciples of all different kinds of people who have been shaped by various cultures or core values. And so God's desire is that, all are saved and that all become followers of Christ, not just not just Jews or not just Greeks, not just Gentiles, not just Chinese, not just African-Americans, not just Asians, but but all people groups. And then he says uh, baptizing. And we see that baptizing is it really that's an incorporation into God's family. And we're not just talking about a water baptism of of submersing. A person, but we're talking about a baptism of the spirit and an incorporation into the body of Christ. 
And so we're adopting those who have been brought into the family. And, and every family member has a place and has a fit. Uh, we know in reading in, in, in the Bible, it tells us that every member of the body has a part to play and a gift. And the body is fitly joined together by that which each joint supply, each part of the body supplies. You know, I've talked about this before, but we're baptized. We've been adopted into Christ's family. And I, and I told you that adoption is a serious thing. There are people that, that have oops babies, they say. And actually, we didn't expect to get pregnant. But if you adopt someone, it was a, a diligent decision. Uh, it was a decision that you arrived at, and it wasn't a light one. And there was a screening process, and there was some preparation and things you have to go to through to adopt a child. And so, uh, you know, God didn't just say, you know, God choosing you wasn't an accident, but God has adopted you. It was a decision on his part. And so with you in mind, he sent Jesus to die so that you could be adopted, that I could be adopted into the household of God. And then we're teaching, you know, not just what he commanded, I remember in undergrad school, my, one of our professors got us on this in a How to Teach the Bible class. Uh, he he was saying the, the Great Commission in many, many different ways. And we just, for whatever reason, could not figure out what word he was omitting. But he said, teach them everything I've commanded you. And no, it's not that. It's And that was the trick. But it's teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we're not just teaching people about what Jesus said or about what Jesus did, but there's accountability within the body of Christ. And people who are disciples come to the understanding that you are called to give up your life and to obey what Jesus has commanded. He just says, he says, anyone that is willing to, to save his life will lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. He says, we have to take up our cross and follow Christ daily. So it's not just about teaching them what Jesus, uh, you know, told us to do, but there's also that, that piece where we're, uh, holding people accountable and, 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 and teaching them that there's an expectation that you're not just going to say, Oh, that's great teaching, but no, you're going to bring your life in line into keeping with and obey what the word of God says. And then finally it says, and then to remember, Remember, says, I remember I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So let me talk real quickly about this. Um, because, because, you know, remembering is a connection. God, we always abide with him. That's the emphasis here is that we abide with him. Uh, you know, Jesus in talking about the, the vine and the branches, he says, abide in me. Uh, because without me, you could do nothing. But if you abide in me and my word abides with you, you ask what you will and it shall be given. We'll, we'll be, produce fruit, not because uh, we have the ability within ourselves, but because we are connected to him. And so we're connected to him by the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, we've invited him in. Uh, he is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus said, you know, wait, I'm going to the Father, but don't go out yet and fulfill this commission. Wait until you have been endued with power. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes and then you'll be my witnesses. Now, quickly here, uh, 
This is his mission. It's our commission. See, if you back up and read in verse 18, Jesus says in verse 18 of, of, of Matthew 28, he says, all authority, all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go. So I'm giving you my authority. I'm sharing it with you so that you can go forth as my ambassadors and fulfill the mission that has been entrusted to me. I now send you and entrust that to you. And so when we even go to make disciples, and that was one thing that I, I, that I didn't uh, really hit on, but as we go and make disciples, it's go. That, that not, not we come, not you come to us. Uh, you know, some churches have this idea of we have the truth and you know the church has the truth. And if you want the truth, then you come to church. But Jesus' contention was, no, you go. You go to where the people are and you preach. So we go making disciples. We're not waiting on them to come to us. We baptize them, which means we incorporating them into the body of Christ. And then we teach them how to do what Jesus requires. And then we hold them accountable to do it. Now, uh, quickly, letter A, our call is to make disciples. Our call is to make disciples, plain and simple. Our call is not to have simply have religious services. You know, particularly in the black church, we say, well, we had church. Uh, we had church. Your call is not to have church. Your call is not, our call is not to have religious services. Uh, our call is not to create, run, and maintain religious programs. A lot of us are good at running programs. And, you know, we do food pantries, clothing pantries, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of different programs, fix up people's homes and and outreach programs. And we're great at those. And I'm not knocking those. What I'm saying is, is that our call is not simply to do those. Those are an outworking of our call, but not the call itself. Our call is not simply to be a witness and to tell people the good news. See, some of us get caught up on that go. And, 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 and really, we think the commission is evangelism, but evangelism is just a small part of the commission that we've been given. Uh, a lot of people get stuck on go, and then, uh, you know, and then even then, they want to go halfway around the world, uh, but they don't even go in their own communities. And if you remember, uh, with the commission, it starts at home. It starts in your house in your neighborhood, in your communities. It starts at home before you go anywhere else. So don't think about going halfway around the world if you're not evangelizing and sharing the gospel message in your neighborhood and on your job and in school and all these places. So it's not just to be a witness and to tell the good news. And it's not simply to maintain a Christian standard of living. There are some people that feel like, you know, if I give my tithes and I give my offerings and I go to church and and I don't need to do anything. I just live as a Christian and, and people will see Christ in the life that I live. But the call is not simply that. The call is to make disciples. Uh, letter B, reasons we have failed in our call. And these are some reasons I believe we failed to fulfill our call of making disciples. First, I believe that we've, many of us have not been discipled ourselves. And if you haven't been discipled, you have no frame of reference for how to make disciples or what that even looks like. A lot of us were blessed to be in small groups or or one-on-one or -on -one mentoring relationships with people where we were discipled, but the vast majority of people have not been discipled, so they don't have a frame of reference. Secondly, we've not been taught that all disciples are disciple makers. <laughs> That's the truth, though. We have not been taught and we have not taught people 
that all of us are called to make disciples. And there's this clergy laity divide that, that, that people think about. And, but if you read in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, it tells us that that fivefold ministry, the, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, they've been given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So those who have a call to leadership have been called to, to equip people to fulfill the commission, not to do the commission. See, some people feel like, you know, I just pay my tithes. And that's how I help fulfill the commission. My tithes, my offerings... That helps to pay the people that do the job. But all of our call is to be disciple makers. Uh, not only that, we've not been involved in intimate covenantal relationships. And we've, in my class, been reading a couple of different books that really speak to that. That, that discipleship takes place in the, in, within intimate covenant relationships. And I think people are even weary of that, leery of that, rather. For a couple of reasons. One, some people haven't really given up sin completely yet. And so in intimate covenant relationships, in discipleship groups, uh, there's fear that our own sin and shortcomings may be found out about. So there's that fear of, of embarrassment and, and even of discipline. If, if, if your church practices that and, and every God-fearing, God-honoring church ought to practice accountability and discipline in the church. But there's fear of other people's reactions. So there's a lack of trust and confidentiality or people find out about your sin and they condemn you, seek to condemn you. So there's fear of other people's reactions. Uh, then, then there's a fear that others will not be equally transparent. Uh, have you ever been in, in, in circles where you know, different ones do all the sharing, but then you got one or two that everything's all right with them. They don't have anything to share. How's everything? Yeah, it's all right. You're telling people your struggles, but they are not sharing theirs. There's not mutual transparency there. And then also, I think there's a fear due to our own inability to be responsible for the spiritual stewardship of others. We're unwilling to call people uh, to, to, you know, to speak the truth in love. We're unwilling to bear other people's burdens. It scares us that God would say, you in part are responsible for the spiritual maturity of others in the body of Christ. Because we look at our own life and our own shortcomings and our own screw-ups and the fact that we fall back into sin and we we wrestle with things. And we say, God, I can, I can hardly keep my own life together. I can hardly keep myself together. Now you're saying I'm not only responsible for my own spiritual walk, but for others too. And that's fearful. But really the key to remember is that it's a co-mission. We go and do this, not in our own authority, but in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's fear, there should be fear, if I don't remember that he's with me always, even until the end of the age. There's fear when I forget that I am merely a conduit of the grace of God, that I am merely a vessel, and you are merely vessels that God is using to fulfill his commission. And, and so, man, I praise God, it, uh, you know, because it's not my job. It's not, I don't have the ability to figure out how to disciple all of you and how to, to do all of this. I need his help. 
So there's fear of our own inability to be responsible for the spiritual stewardship of other people. One of the things that uh, that's important for us to remember is that discipleship really doesn't effectively happen in groups. And you ask a lot of people how, how discipleship takes place and, well, we have Bible study. But just giving a lot of Bible information in and of itself is not transformational. Jesus' model for discipleship was to, to teach and minister to the masses, to mobilize a group, to disciple a minority, and to confide in a few. Preached and ministered to the masses, mobilized a group, and in Luke 10, we see it wasn't just the 12, but there were 70 others that he sent out to cast out devils, heal the sick, and all preach the gospel. Uh, but then he discipled 12. But then he confided in a few, Peter, James, and John. And you have that reference there in Mark. And, and read that at, uh, at your leisure. But for the sake of time, let me really kind of get to the nitty-gritty here. And just ask, what, did this, what does this look like? And this is something we're going to be wrestling with. As something I'm asking God for, for clarity. Because there's things I can already see that we need to be doing. But there are also some things that I still have questions about. But I want us just for today to, to remember that our call is to be disciple-making people. And so we have to ask some questions. Uh, what, what, is, what is a finished disciple? What does a disciple of Jesus look like? You know, if that's what we're supposed to be making, what does the finished product look like? And what are the disciplines or the qualities that should be evident in the life of a disciple. These are the kinds of things we're going to be looking at and questioning and wrestling with in days to come. But then also, what actions, because we have to ask this question, we have to look at ourselves. What actions do I personally intend to take to enhance my relationship with Jesus and to help me become more Christ-like and the leader that God has in mind for me to become. If my call is to make disciples, if your call is to, by the grace of God, to make disciples, what changes need to happen in my life? What areas do I need to become more disciplined in? What, type, what, what changes need to take place in my relationship so that I am becoming more Christ-like? Accountability is certainly a big piece of this. Uh, being transparent about sin and, and, and failures and shortcomings is also another thing that must be considered. But we have to take responsibility in action. I believe it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that said uh, to, to think that faith means that God does everything and I don't do anything is not faith, but superstition. And so... I've been given a commission, and you have been given a commission, and authority has been imparted to us, but there's something that we must do with it. But it starts with first living our own lives in a way that is disciplined and in keeping with the example that Jesus gave us. You know, in talking about being fearful of 
the the spiritual responsibility, spiritual stewardship of another person. I uh, think of that great quote. Um, it might have been Gandhi that said it, but he talked about courage not being the absence of fear, but you know, you know, rising to the challenge and overcoming it. But Erwin uh, McManus made another statement that I think really speaks to it. He says, courage is not the absence of fear, but the absence of self. When I realize that my life is hidden with Christ and God, and I'm supposed to submit to the authority of Christ and allow him to do the work, then the steward, spiritual stewardship of others rests at his feet. And it's not going to be anything that I do apart from him that's going to have any lasting influence. Just a couple of thoughts in closing. Uh, you know, I think most people blame the forces of change on why the church is no longer influential. And they ignore the fact that the church has not completely embraced the Great Commission. So we blame postmodernism. We blame a lot of other things. But the church honestly has aimed for a goal that is less than the Great Commission, a goal that is less than making disciples. I believe the church has been content with having religious services. The church has been content with with creating and, and maintaining and running programs. The church has been intent, has been content, uh, you know, with... Let's just let's just be a light. Let's just live morally. But our call is to make disciples. And so, you know, those are kind of the, the straw man. You know, those are things we poke at. Well, the church is not effective because of all these other things. You know, postmodernism, not, you know, no such thing as absolute truth, all these kinds of things. No, I think we got to look back at ourselves first. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. We've got to look at ourselves first. And take responsibility, take ownership of the fact that our goal has been oftentimes something less than the Great Commission. In closing, let me say, I can't think of any other way to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself than to give my life to God and in turn to be used by him to bring others into a mature relationship with him. I mean, when you think about the great commandment, making disciples, in my mind, fulfills that like nothing else. When I recognize that I can't do anything apart from Christ, and I completely submit myself to his lordship, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through me, and then are used by him so that others might become like him. That seems like the greatest expression of love towards God and towards neighbor that I can think of. So I, I need to close for today, uh, but we're going to dive more into this next week and, and just begin to look at those two questions and ask God, what changes need to make? Do I need to make for, uh, you know, to be a more dedicated disciple. And so I can truly be the leader that you've called me to be. And then what does a mature disciple really look like? All right. And we'll come back next week and talk more on those. Let's pray. Father, we are so in awe of the fact that you have called us to share in 
the work that you're doing of making disciples, those who are little Jesus followers, those who are like you. And Lord, we just say that we are so unworthy of such a responsibility and we're not even up to the task. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would live and work in us, that we'd be conduits of the grace of God, that the commission would be fulfilled. And God, we thank you, God, that this was your plan all along and that through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to cause it to happen. So glorify yourself in us and fulfill the commission that started with your son. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen.